and welcome to another instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined with Chardy, Robert and Cal to talk about the transition from going from a startup company to a scale-up company. As usual, we'll go around the room and give some introductions. Cal, would you like to go first? Absolutely. Yeah, my name is Cal. I'm a senior product manager at VO Technologies here in Copenhagen. Um, been working in product for, oh, I don't know actually, should have, probably should have prepared this bit, uh, <laughs> six, seven, eight years maybe. Um, but yeah, we're a sports tech company uh, making sports cameras that allow you to, to record and live stream um, your matches and, and pick up different highlights and stuff. There's lots of AI involved um, on the cameras and uh, in the back end as well. I've been a huge football fan for as long as I can remember. So um, it's a, a dream combination for me, kind of getting to combine uh, hardware, software, AI, sports. It's it's loads of fun. Get to wear tracksuits to work every day. How cool is that? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, it's a great combination for me to be able to combine problem solving and my love of product um, with sports as well. So it's pretty cool. Perfect. Thank you for that. Robert, would you like to give us a little introduction to you? Yeah, for sure. I'm Robert Lerner. I'm a CTO, a CTO at EFU. And we're building uh, charging networks uh, for electric vehicles uh, by selling hardware and creating services around that hardware, basically helping people charge uh, their electric cars. Uh, I've been working in tech for, uh, yeah, I probably should have prepared <laughs> as well, <laughs> like 20, 20 years, uh, I'd say. Uh, I've been a like a backend developer for quite some time and working in different leadership roles in, in and around uh, tech teams. Uh, uh, yeah, I love love creating new opportunities for people, new experiences, and solving problems. Basically, that's the that's the point of being in in uh, tech, I think. Um, and uh, at at Ifuel, we're we're having uh, we're the possibilities to solve new uh, new issues and uh, finding out new puzzles to 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 solve is is huge. Uh, the the energy space is uh, uh, exploding with uh, possibilities and and difficulties. Uh, so so it's a uh, great fun. Uh, on the private side, I have three kids and a wife that I like. Uh, and uh, f since a year ago, we have also one of the, those uh, Corona dogs uh, that's, that I also <laughs> like sometimes, even though he's uh, quite uh, difficult. <laughs> uh, I, also, I also love to, to speak, to, to talk to people, especially about tech. It's, uh, so I'm really looking forward to this. It's going to be great fun. Perfect, thank you. And then Shadi? Yeah, hi everyone. Thank you for having me. Shadi uh, Donat. I'm from Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, currently CTO at a company called Showroom.shopping. So uh, it's a showroom is all about live shopping. So what we do is we pro provide customers with a platform needed to live stream shopping, interact with customers, engage with them, uh, help them with the shopping live shopping strategies, production, and so more. Um, so my, I've got a long background in tech, mainly HR tech and an education in public law. So I got both uh, both parts. I've been working uh, uh, with uh, information security for quite a while as well. So that's something I find very interesting. So 
passion. Oh God, I'm, I'm a chameleon. So I guess I, I do love everything new. I love people uh, who have uh, interesting interests. So I, I love to listen to people and talk to people. But I do love outdoor life. So hiking, skiing, uh, OCR, uh, obstacle course races. Uh, I love them. Uh, having been doing that for three years almost now because of the pandemic. So I'm hoping to get uh, fit soon and start running uh, once again. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm married as well. Has two kids. Have two kids. Um, and that's me. Perfect. Thank you, Charlie. Um, wonderful. Well, thank you for those introductions. Now, what we'll do is we'll go around and answer each other's questions. So, before coming to the podcast, you've prepared an area you would like to focus on within the topic of going from a startup company to a scale-up company. So, now we've got plenty of time to share your opinions and hopefully give some insight to each other and everybody listening. Shadi, would you like to go first? Yeah, thank you. Um, well, I did have a lot of questions, but I chose the most simple ones, I guess. What's the difference between a startup and scale-up? Because that's a, that's the base for this discussion, I guess. We have to. Uh, I would like to discuss it with you guys because uh, when does a startup start stop being a startup, and when does it begin to become a scale-up? I mean, there is a transition between there. So I guess that's an interesting question, and I would like to pick your thoughts about uh, about that. So if I may begin uh, about my thoughts about uh, the difference between the, these two and, and the phase between them. Um, depending on who, on who you ask, a startup is mainly a newly established company, right? So, but with some kind of growth potential. The most often a smaller team, especially in the tech sphere, you've got three, four or five people starting uh, with a new idea. But a startup, for me, it's a temporary status. It's not destined to remain forever because you have a growth uh, goal. Uh, even though there is no fixed age for like for season to being a startup, so there is some kind of threshold there. So on the other hand, for me, a scale up is a successful startup. So depending on you who, on who you ask, uh, some people would probably say that it's a relatively young company. Uh, but I'm kind of a different opinion on that one because, right, age might matter but it's not primary for the definition. So instead, I, I do look for other things like, uh, is the company, is it a rapidly emerging company? Is it an innovation driven? Uh, has it experienced high level of growth in the past few years? Has it got high demands from the market? How's the economic growth and so on and so forth? So lastly, with that said, that does not mean that the scale-up company cannot be a startup company as well. Uh, because there's a somewhat technical definition, uh, as mentioned, uh, but there's always also another like softer definition. Um, for, for example, you can look at the big companies uh, that still call themselves for startup companies, and I know we're not supposed to mention any names, uh, uh, but there are a lot of them, uh, and you have you gotta ask yourself why is that? I mean, they are not young; they've been from in the market uh, for a while. Uh, they are not few; there are thousands of employees and. Their products are and services are not new in market either. So that has to be because they are startup in spirit. And that's an important part in the journey from startup to scale up, in my opinion. But that's kind of how I would like to enter this discussion with the differences between startup and scale up. What do you guys think? So I think you have really interesting thoughts, and, and uh, I like the 
I like the the last part with uh, being a, a startup in spirit and, and why is that important? That's a that's a interesting question. And I'm, my thoughts go go on efficiency and uh, kind of the uh, hipster factor <laughs> as well uh, from from a recruiting point of view. Uh, but yeah, I would add to that as well. I think the the it's almost like a part of the identity of the yeah. of the company. I think um, the identity of a startup, not only the kind of scrappiness and getting things done, that element, um, just saying a scale up, it doesn't have the same impact outside of tech. Like we might think that we have a decent interpretation of what a scale up is. But if I say to someone outside of the tech bubble, um, you're working at a scale up, it doesn't actually mean anything. Whereas if you say a startup, it's pretty much just like that or these big corporates and there's no kind of in between. So there is definitely an identity tied to it. And of course, kind of internal branding or the recruitment element of things, um, it makes it a lot easier if you can still tie yourself to that part or that previous identity. Um, I don't know, Shadi, when you were talking through the the different phases, I guess, um, I don't know, I'd be interested to see what you think. If there is actually a line, like I think I can, I can see a sliding scale of where it goes from being a startup to a scale up um, and the the all important product market fit being found somewhere within there. Um, and I think that is also that sliding scale to say, this is the point that we've either um, stabilized our business model or we've actually proven whether it's to investors or whoever um, that the business opportunity is viable. Like this is a company that could make some money, but I'm not sure if there is ever a day where someone just wakes up and goes, Okay, I think we might be a scale up now. And maybe it gets tied into receiving funding. I know um, there is a few that kind of consider once you get to a certain round or you've achieved a certain amount of funding that at that point you can't really be a startup. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I'd be interested to see what you think about that kind of the scale or, or whether there is a day where you say box ticked, startup, check. <laughs> now let's do the scale up thing. Uh, yeah, well, uh... I do not think there is a like one day you you wake up and you say oh today I'm a scale up. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not doesn't work like that. And uh, an important question is why you have to categorize yourself as a scale up or startup. Why does it matter uh, mm -hmm. at all? But let's play with the with the idea that you you need to to categorize yourself with being a scale up, right? So there are different key elements you have to take into action when, when you're thinking about being a scale-up and some of them you've touched some of them uh, cal uh, like uh, market validation or product market market fit uh, risk aversion stage of funding maybe you might think of uh, automation automation roles and responsibility etc etc there's a lot of different key values that you have to take into into consideration uh, before you probably can think of yourself as a scale-up i mean if you compare a startup, it's like uh, when we started, let, let me take myself as an example, so, right? So a couple of companies ago, I started at, uh, at a place and we were four guys, right? Uh, we started, we, we literally sat into what looked like a basement and we did everything together. Every, like four, four people did everything together. Um, and that company went from being four per persons to 30 persons. Uh, when I quit uh, and moved on. Um, so that was interesting to, we never thought of ourselves as, as a scale-up, even though we grew a lot economically and we uh, had a great growth with, uh, employ uh, with the team 
uh, size, uh, etc. Et we will never stop believing that we are uh, a startup because that was our identity. Uh, we never wanted to, to stop thinking of ourselves uh, as the underdog, you know, the small team who wants to conquer the world and deliver the high value to, to the end user. We, we, we're going to have the greatest products out there, uh, but we're not. Uh, we had something we were we were afraid of, of and that was uh, becoming a big fish. You know, one of the big companies that uh, got tired of innovation that only uh, looked at metrics and data and how to gain profit instead of how to do something you really love and continue loving it uh, even though you're scaling up, even though you, you, you're getting external funding, even though you, you know, um, you enter that phase when everything is going so rapid, so fast, and you need to hire people, you need to manage expectation, you need to uh, manage the risks, but at the, at the same time, you need to still have fun doing that. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's why I, I don't think there is um, like a, a border you cross from being a startup to scale up. It's a transition of some kind and you just get there. Uh, but you never think about becoming a scale up. That's not the important goal. Do you think in hindsight that might have been useful? Like, I don't know how successful the company was, but do you think there might have been some situations or from some point where you think right now, let's think like a scale up like this? There's a few things that we can we've grown out of or we've we've matured from out of the startup identity and now we think like a scale up and we have to take x y and z and i don't know if it's a maturity thing or what but do you think in hindsight there might have been some situations where it could have been a good thing well uh, there have been has been a lot of situations where we have to change our minds so mm -hmm. put simply the more people you hire the more people you have to manage right so we grew so as departments become larger in number and more moving parts become come into play there is a greater room for error when passing off uh, like uh, projects from one road to the, to the next, right? So in order to avoid employee turnover or lower the morale or decrease production, you need to succeed in managing these challenges correctly. So for that reason, scale-ups typically onboard new leaders with, let's say, corporate management experience or stuff like that, uh, uh, experience that we, the, the founders, uh, might not have. Uh, mm -hmm. so you need that external experience. So, yeah, you need to uh, change your mind on certain certain areas, uh, for sure. And I don't yeah. know if that was uh, an answer or part. Yeah, yeah. Answer. No, that makes sense. I think uh, it's probably something we missed in the first um, kind of not categorization, but on that sliding scale of when you do turn into a scale up, the formalization of these processes. Um, like you're saying, there is kind of an element of being more corporate about it. And you can see these these people with these experience, uh, they, they do get hired into those positions. But I guess that element of formalization is also the scaling part. Like you can't be doing these manual ad hoc things repeatedly, but you need to get some processes in place because it's happening so often that you need to scale with it. Um, so I guess, yeah, as part of my original answer, um, Gemma, if you could cut this and put it back into my original answer, it'd be great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> processes, formalizing processes, is, I think, what I would also put into that that world of scale up. I might I might add to that, like if if uh, like a product strategy becomes even more important uh, in a, in in a scale up uh, context, since you're you're that's when you have the most. Uh, uh, like issues with uh, alignment and uh, so forth. 
but I, I think, I think uh, like uh, one one you touched on on product market fit. That's uh, like the my kind of textbook uh, definition of a startup is seeking product market fit, and a and a scale up has. Uh, found product market fit and and, and like uh, trying to meet the demands of uh, having reached that uh, so to say and and uh, then the strategy becomes really important um, and but one thing that's but uh, that could be an important thing is to stay in the in the startup mindset Mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, which is trying to find product market fit uh, long enough to really have have, having really made that, I, I see quite a lot of um, uh, organizations in, in Stockholm calling themselves a scale, uh, a scale up uh, just because they've um, got funding and are scaling <laughs> up. Uh, yeah, that's at least that's my interpretation of it. Uh, and I, I think there's a there's a risk if you apply the the scale up mindset while you're while you haven't reached uh, product market fit so there there could be like a, 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 a benefit to, to to know where you're at so to say yeah. mm. it mm. sounds like there's a bit of a uh, a chicken and an egg scenario yeah. there yeah, like yeah if you sure. say you're a scale up early enough and you're looking for funding at the same time it's like oh those those guys have found product market fit yeah. let's throw some money their way and then yeah. you can find product market fit yeah. with the extra money yeah <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. It's... I think in Sweden we call it like uh, selling the skin before uh, shooting the bear, right, <laughs> yeah, Robert? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but I think I think uh, like scaling up, you 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 have to shift your your focus and your energy from finding product market fit in order to to like mm -hmm. uh, employ work with employer branding and all these kind of things that you have to do in order to to uh, be able to scale up with the, with the uh, people uh, mm -hmm. and, and of course all the things you've mentioned Shadi with with the managing people and finding effective and managing structures uh, that's uh, super important and uh, letting those evolve along the way uh, so that you don't think you've found the the one key solution that works uh, for for a few teams and uh, then once you get to like 20 teams, it doesn't work. Um, just to add on that, but have any of you read the book, Who Moved the Sheets? No. No. What's it, what's it called again? Who's Moved My Sheets? It's a really, really strange book. Um, I listened to it on an ebook. I'll send you all the link. And it's effectively going through that mindset. So it's like mice who, you know, they're eating the sheets and then all of a sudden they run out. And it's like one mouse doesn't want to find the new cheese. It don't see the point. And the other one screws around to find it. And it's that different mentality of, you know, you probably have some dinosaur companies right now who will eventually run out of money because they're, they're happy with that cheese and they don't want to go anywhere else where your startups are just trying to find their cheese to start off with and your scale-ups need to be looking for the next sheets. Um, and it sounds so stupid, but once you listen to the book, I promise no. you it'll all make sense. Um, but no, I think that that's something that might really help you all. Um, but I'm interested, just, I speak to a lot of people, um, that makes me sound really popular, but who are going <laughs> from like um, a startup company and they're talking about, you know, we're moving up, we're scaling, we're 
be coming to this level and something that always comes up from like pretty much CTOs I'm gonna dub you all in it is that they don't want to delegate they don't want to delegate that responsibility so they want to be involved in the power they want to know what's going on um, and they don't want to let go and give it to you know Cal as a product no. manager or an engineering manager is that something that you two have struggled with and Cal that you've seen be like come on give it to me like let me let me take over Definitely. Uh, I mean, uh, and it's in, in one way, it's not a, it's not weird that these things happens a lot in startups, because if you think about it, uh, let's say two persons create a, something great, right? A great product, great, a great service. That thing will evolve and that will, it will be treated as a baby. It's your own baby. And as you grow, you hire people that will take care of your baby, that will nourish it, uh, nourish it that will um, uh, give it clothes, <laughs> right? Uh, teach it stuff. And you have to trust that these people are going to take care of this baby. So it's going to take some time, but in, at a certain point, you're going to need to like give the responsibility of the baby to another being, that product, and that hurt. For some people, that's an impossible task to do uh, because they think, and that's the biggest, their biggest mistake, that the company will not live or survive without me or my competence or my skills. Mm -hmm. I'm the one and only. I'm Neo. So, <laughs> and that, that's wrong, you know? Uh, so I guess that's uh, not uncommon in the startup phase. And I think that's my uh, really, really my own opinion. It's not validated by science. But I think that's one of the main reasons why startups collapse at certain points, uh, especially when they uh, start growing. Yeah, yeah, I can just. Uh, I was going to say, agree. Rob, it kind of goes into your question, so I'm going to bring yeah, it yeah, to yeah, you yeah, sure. and let you <laughs> take the next step. Hand over well, my baby. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I definitely. Be, I, I'm going to address my question <laughs> soon. I'm just going to. I've definitely been in that situation myself. I was uh, start. Um, part of a founding team of another startup quite some time ago and then we, we grew and I, I want to remain in control of of um, uh, of everything and that of course that didn't work out that well but it was a really valuable experience and now now I'm thinking of the like the, the role of the CTO more as a, like a strategic like a having a finding and implementing and coaching a, a tech strategy. That's my, my important uh, part of my work. Yeah. So, so, uh, for, for my question then, um, then I, I'll, I'll try to give a bit of, of, uh, context. It, it's, um, at, at if we'll feel right now where we're, um, uh, have where we cons tech consists of, of two uh, cross-functional teams with a with a mission and a competency to to fulfill that mission so we have one team for our our e-com store and one team for our, our application uh, and uh, in the in the like uh, six months from now we're we're uh, we're aiming for uh, to have uh, four teams uh, with like six persons in each teams or something like that. Uh, see if we get there, but that's the <laughs> that's the goal. 
in in order for for that to happen, I I need kind of uh, help from someone with recruiting and someone with uh, like pe people responsibilities and managing managing people and so forth. Um, and and I I've been working uh, at uh, where we have these like. Um, Spotify model, uh, we're in the matrix, in the matrix uh, organization, and that, that's that's a good way of of uh, working. If we, if you're moving from like an uh, an organization, a tr traditional organization with like a development department and a, a design department, marketing department, and so forth, because, um, but but the. The the leadership in that context becomes uh, quite uh, fussy and complex, uh, and I don't want to to bring along that unless I uh, don't have to. Uh, I'm, I'm sure eventually we will get there if we manage to grow enough. But but as of now, I, I'm looking for a more lean or, or easier way of, of uh, uh, yeah setting up the, the leadership around the, the team uh, each team has a product manager of course but some traditionally the product manager don't have a, like uh, people responsibilities and and uh, I mean that's one way of, of thinking of that it's it's uh, it's uh, uh, coming from also, these old organization with the product managers often came from the marketing or some kind of product development department, and the teams were more of delivery teams, and, and they, the product manager couldn't be managing the, the teams uh, since they had their own bosses and so forth. Um, and I, I think that's grown into uh, our way of thinking of management around teams. Uh, uh, far enough that people take it for granted, and I, I would like to like lift up that lid and see what's uh, underneath it. If if there are some other way of uh, or other than like an engineering manager and uh, and uh, UX manager and uh, or something like that, what what's what would you uh, how would you set up a, a new organization with with like empowered teams uh, that has a mission and are cross-functional with many different disciplines in the in the team so that's what i got first shadi <laughs> <laughs> all right everyone is looking at me it seems like uh, <laughs> and, uh, robert thank you for the question i, I really love that question that uh, that's uh, it's uh, it's a close one to my heart right uh, so i've been working with effective teams like for I don't know, uh, 10 years, maybe 12 years. And uh, people tend to ask me, how, how, how do you create an effective team? How do you create a good leadership that makes uh, every team uh, functional effectively and be happy and well-functioning? And every time I answer, I do not know. I really do not know. I just, we do stuff and we, we, we do it in the way we, we want. But I'll, I'm gonna try to be a little more precise this time. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I guess it's all about culture. So um, bear with me here. So, but when you're building a team, uh, you, you got to think about two things. Uh, the first one is the individual, uh, every single person in that team. And the second one is the t team as whole. 
Uh, and what I mean is that you and I work in a different way, right? We think uh, in different ways, we talk in different ways, we work in different ways, our needs are different, et cetera, et cetera. But we still do have to work together as a functional team. And that seems like a, a very complex formula, but it is not. Because what you need to do is to, to create the environment for that individual to grow. You make me to, to make that person feel like what he or she is doing is very important for the task. So what are we doing and why are we doing this? And what, my, what's my part in that, right? So every single individual must have the, the space and the environment to grow. So that's the single first thing you need to, to think about. And uh, that requires a lot. So I don't think we have the time to, to go through everything. No, but the second, yeah, but the second thing is like you need in the same time build a, a high functioning team that respect the differences between each and every one in this in the team, and you gotta have a leader with a lot of um, say uh, empathy, right? Yeah, for sure. So you 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 have to think about think about uh, emotions a lot more uh, than hard or competencies like like we have a designer he uh, he or she can figma and we have a programmer programmer he, he can do a php and stuff like that yeah that's requirements for me doing a job but that's not what you really need to create half functioning teams so the leadership needs to include a lot of empathy a lot of like people knowing uh, and create an environment that a safe environment that every single person within that team feels that he or she, uh, what they do is very important for the task and the, the task and the mission and the vision needs to be clear uh, from the top down, you know, from the CEO down to the, to the consultant that you are only having for like two or three months. That's very important. If you lose it somewhere, you lose the productivity, you lose the value you're trying to provide to your uh, end users, uh, your customers or consumers. So I know that's fuzzy as well, the answer as well. Uh, I'm sorry about that, but I think you have to take uh, a lot of consideration um, when building an effective team. And a lot of it is about uh, looking at these two parts that I mentioned. Um, I don't know, what, what what do you think, uh, Cal? I, I actually think rather than, so I think it was a great answer from, especially the empathy, the empathy side of things and the the importance of soft skills. Um, I guess my answer is more the other way around saying if I was coming in as a product manager there within a product organization, I think the importance of knowing, of course, the mission and the vision from the top level down. And uh, I won't dive too much into the product strategy stuff because I don't want to give any spoilers away for my uh, <laughs> question. In a bit. But, but that is really the, the, the important part for me because um, it gives me the tools to say yes and no to a bunch of ideas and it's mainly the no's because there's a million good ideas and it's just the ability to be able to say no to a load of stuff that is interesting but isn't taking us in the direction we want to go and it's been able to have a very narrow focus on something and specifically like we're scaling in this direction and everyone's going the same way and it, whether you structure your teams around uh like products and the code base whether you structure them around user problems whether you structure them around larger kind of business areas or work streams i think that bit's by the by like i've worked in in different places that have done it differently um and as long as it's consistent across the areas or whatever these specific focuses are um one of the one of the important things for me order is a kind of an indicator of whether it's structured well 
is that someone can come in with an idea or feedback or not so much bugs, but kind of opportunities. And it's really easy to pin down and say, this should go to this team or this combination of teams because they're working on X, Y, Z. And when that process isn't smooth, if it's not smooth for the product teams, it's definitely not smooth for the rest of the business. So being able to say that something comes in and we know who's going to look at this or whose eyes are going to be on it. And then as soon as that's communicated to the rest of the business, it's really easy. Sales taking sales calls and saying, that's just not a focus for us right now. We're focusing on X, Y, and Z. It means that it doesn't always come back to the product team, but that that narrowed focus is is the massive one for me. And that's what I need with the rest of the team. We can all align and say, I stop being a bottleneck or anyone stops being a bottleneck because the designer can design what they want within these guide rails. Tech can work scalably on designing any solution because this is the focus that we're going to have. Um, so yeah, I hope that gives a bit more light the other way to to like what I would need and, and a product team would need from management. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's, uh, that's great answers. And, and I, I completely agree. It's really, really important uh, parts of, of the organization to, to like build the clear responsibilities for for the teams and, and communicate those as, as you grow and, and evolve for sure. And I, I, I completely agree with your uh, answer as well, Shadi, with the, the culture and the psychological safety is what mm -hmm. I like label what you're talking about. Uh, pretty much it's, it's uh, super important. Yeah. yeah, I think just to add to that, I think a combination of what you've just said there, Robert, and, and Shadi's uh, point, it's a lot of it is about the, like how to handle uncertainty yeah. um, and whether that is like through empathy and how you the soft skills around the team or just what the team are working on and why. Um, I think the, the more concrete it is that if you have uncertainty about something, it's we're an open book, please communicate, let us know where the issues are. Yeah. I think that would be, for me, that would be the biggest thing because inevitably in this process of, of startup to scale up, there's going to be a shitload of things that we, we just can't handle. We're going to have to build processes around in some capacity. Um, so being able to say, I don't know how to handle this and feeling that it's open and you can talk about it. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, that, that uncertainty being handled and taken care of and that you care um, I think is is a is a big one. So I think Shadi kind of cleared that up. Yeah. Could I? Do we have time for another? Like, if I twist my question a, a bit, uh, do we have time for that? Yeah, as long as you all have time for it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. Go I'll, for I'll, it. I'll, I'll I'll try to. So, what are your thoughts on on the like the, the one extreme being the the Spotify model with the engineer manager or the the, the competency manager? And the the product manager like uh, leading the team. That's on the one end of the scale, and on on the other end of the scale would be like some kind of more uh, tr traditional uh, way of thinking, where you have these uh, like uh, each team should be like a small startup within the the company. Uh, and from in that context, I my thoughts often go to like uh, if if the if the product manager would be like the the manager of the of the team as well, uh, that would make put a lot of pressure on the product manager. Would be an even more difficult job. Uh, that's for mm -hmm. sure. But but the 
the the best product managers I've worked with, uh, they are the ones that has these uh, these managerial skills and are really uh, the drivers of that uh, like psychological safety and uh, creating the right conditions for the team to excel and, and building the team rather than uh, some other manager uh, in the team. And you can have like an, if you, if you have a strictly engineering, uh, you can have like an engineering manager in the, the team that would take that role. But once you have team with a bit more complex uh, setup with engineers, designers, some product specialists, product managers, then, then it becomes a lot more complex on how to make this. And then the product manager often becomes the like this uh, super manager only there are some other manager on the on, on paper so to say mm -hmm. so, so what are your thoughts on 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 having like a is it possible to have a, a like a, a setup where the product manager also is the actual manager of the of the people in the team do you want to go shadi or shall i you go, Cal. This time, <laughs> I think I think without without more context on what you want the product manager to do on the product, yeah. the, the the thought of that would petrify me as a product manager. <laughs> and and it's not the problem of it's not the problem of being a people manager. Like you say, I think it's quite common for for product managers to have to have these skills because yeah. there's a lot of politics you have to get through to make things happen and work with people yeah. and make sure yeah. the synergies sure. exist. Um, so I think there would be a lot of the traditional product manager responsibilities that you would have to pass off to like design would have much more autonomy, an engineering manager or, or a tech lead would have much more autonomy. So I think you might lose a bit of the, the closeness in, in that power, that triangle of, of kind of product design and tech yeah. being able to move fast. I think you would lose a bit of that because there is, um, kind of the HR side of things, responsibilities yeah. there. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's I don't think it's out of the question, um, but I think the the thought of so much workload um, and having to care not not having to care as such, but just that there's you, you're owning the problem, the business problem, but it feels like you're also owning the happiness of the team in a way. Um, so I think that even though they're they're very related, a happier team yeah. you would think would yeah, deliver exactly. better product results. Um, but I, I think the, the kind of relationship isn't necessarily perfect. Um, and yeah, like I said, if, if that was something without given being, being given more nuance around the things that you weren't expected to do anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it yeah, would yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Then you, um, if, if you were to go that along that trail, you would need to build some kind of a platform for the HR mm -hmm. stuff in order to to make it uh, yeah awesome yeah. thank well I totally agree with the with Cal we I think we had that uh, kind of issue or that challenge uh, in previous workplace uh, where it ended with us having I think, three different kind of managers so to speak right. so we have the product owner uh, who's uh, taking the business part of the of the whole package right and, some, and we had a technical project manager uh, and we had a scrum master. So there, there was like three people managing a relatively big team and we had a lot of big teams. Uh, and that worked for that organization. 
because we could uh, we we were uh, working very closely with the three leaders so to speak um and that the 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 um the part where we took care of the team the well-being of the team and was uh, on the scrum master's plate right so the oh, scrum okay. master <laughs> yeah yeah so so the scrum masters uh, one of the scrum masters um uh, uh how does how do I say it like uh, missions or like uh, tasks was to protect the team from others, right? So uh, because you have, you have to put this in context, the organization was very old and uh, they they were, they were used to work in a certain way. Like everyone could could go to anyone and say, "I want this. Can you make this for me? Can you develop this for me? Can you decide that for me?" And that was not effective. And uh, yeah, you, I think you can see the picture. So what we had to do is like to protect every single team from that kind of behavior. So the scrum master's behavior, uh, the scrum master's uh, task, uh, one of these tasks was to protect the team. Uh, so if anyone come to uh, to the team and say, "Hey, can you please develop this button? I want it red." <laughs> The Scrum also would say, "Name you now. You have to go to the product manager, uh, the product owner. So the product owner uh, could receive that uh, uh, that task and can discuss it with me. Is it technically possible? Why should we do this? How does it fit in in the picture? And so on and so forth. So that's how we solved it at at that place. So, but it was a kind of special way to solve it to have three people managing a team hmm. in yeah, different but... ways." I, th I, think works very well. I, I think it's actually quite common. We had the same same kind of we we had the same kind of structure at Avanza a long time ago, and then then once we got uh, more uh, more uh, evolved in our agile agile working ways, we we had uh, like the engineering manager and the and the product owner uh, working these things, and some teams had agile coaches. So th that triangle is uh, quite common i'm i'm right. not entirely convinced it's the most efficient way <laughs> mm. it wasn't <laughs> always i can say that it wasn't always oh. i can it see how job. it could work actually like as as you could tell by my reaction i was interested at first when you said the scrum master uh also doing like having that role but with key parts of the job being like you say protecting the team and clearing blockers I think they those two things alone probably have the biggest impact on someone's happiness at work. Yeah. So yeah. for being able to, if, if your key metric, let's say, as a scrum master is having a happy team and being able to enforce that by clearing blockers for people and protecting them, it's, it's actually something you can have a large effect on. I can see, I can see the logic behind it now. It makes sense. Perfect. And on that note, um, just so that we're not here till like 12 at night, um, I'm going to move on to <laughs> Cal's question. <laughs> yeah, um, I think, I guess I have the, the the fortunate position of having a lot of the stuff already mentioned throughout. Um, so we've, we've probably referenced a lot of the stuff, but uh, something that I've experienced recently is is the importance of having a product strategy when, when the organization is scaling. Robert mentioned it earlier as as a key point, and it's something that we've really had a it's it's had a big impact for us as of late. Um, as I think I alluded to before, the removing of bottlenecks is the massive one for me as a product manager, kind of spanning across a few different products now as well with with the way that these initiatives work across multiple products. Um, it's very easy to fall into that position of being a bottleneck, which no one wants to be. Um, and 
the aligned product strategy is something that has made things a world easier. Um, because as I mentioned, from a tech leader or a design lead perspective, these are your guide rails. This is the narrowed audience we're focusing on. This is the strategic differentiators we're kind of accentuating. And there's, it's quite easy for us to say, these are the particular dimensions that we're gonna, whether it's the channel or the market strategy, this is what we're looking for. Um, and then people can, it's, it's autonomy to do your job um, within that, that world as well. Um, because yeah, I, I definitely saw that being a bottleneck or even with management as well, um, not having to get executive buy-in or having this product sign-off, um, it was really highlighted in these kind of multi-product initiatives that uh, these things were really slowing us down. Um, and yeah, like I said at the very start as well, uh, even though it's not the the sexiest part of moving from the scale-up world to the, oh, sorry, the startup world to the scale-up world, the, the standardizing of things, whether it's processes or um, just centralizing certain functions, it has really, it, it does really help. Like it does mean that you can move a lot faster. Um, I experienced it massively moving from, I was at Maersk for, for a few years and there's processes in place for everything there. Like you can, you can find a template or a process for whatever it is. And moving from there to, to a startup slash scale up um, meant that these things didn't exist. And it did slow you down in some capacity because there wasn't just a, here's the, here's the answers, here's the cheat sheet for what you need to move on to the next stage. Um, but then on the other side of it, you had the ability to just move and not have to get buy-in and approval from eight levels of, of hierarchy and stuff like that. So yeah, I'd be interested to hear what you think about that importance of uh, product strategy. Yeah, it's, uh, I guess, uh, Robert, it's your time this time. Yeah, Go first. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's really important and, and the further along the, the road from startup to, to scale up, you, you go, the, the more important it is. Uh, and there's, uh, there's, uh, yeah, you mentioned autonomy as that's one th part of it. Um, I think I think uh, I think one thing that's often or or let at least uh, I, sometimes I see hear people talking about product strategy, and and but but they're missing they 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 have made this uh, really cool complicated strategy <laughs> that's that's uh, that uh, that sounds good but they they are missing the the actual implementation or the execution mm -hmm. of the strategy which is just as uh, as uh, important uh, actually even more important i think in, in order to to continuously as you grow get that strategy out and and make everyone everyone uh, understand and and feel that this strategy is is for us and see how it how it's working in in order for the the organization to execute on the uh, on the strategy and and uh, I, I mean I, I I think there's I don't know who said that there like, like there, there's one strategy which is like the best strategy for everyone which is like create uh, create services or applications create services that your customer love that's a really easy strategy <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, uh, I I, I mean, I'd, I'd rather see, I'd rather have a, a company talk about like uh, that kind of super high level strategy, but, but uh, how do you get that out into the, mm -hmm. to the, uh, to the teams? 
Yeah, I don't know if I re even remotely answered your question. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely. It really highlights, I think it highlights just having, even though it sounds a bit strange to say, just having any strategy documented yeah. is better than having nothing yeah. because yeah. There's, there's some cases where um, it seems obvious to everyone. Of course, we're targeting this audience. Of course, we're going into this market, those things. Yeah. But if I can break it down into five different dimensions and you all think, so Robert, you think the first one is slightly different. Shadi, you think the second one's slightly yeah. different. Jemmy, you think the third one. Over 50% of that strategy is actually not aligned on. So even though four out of five, everyone gets four out of five, half of it isn't right or, or yeah. we don't agree on it. So just having that, the obvious stuff documented means that we know we're starting from the right place as opposed to yeah. we get six months down the line and you say, oh, I thought we were going to monetize in a different way. I thought we were going to kind of target target audience was slightly bigger. Um, so it's, I know it sounds obvious, but it is really important. Yeah. I like the I like the strategy, the product strategy as well as a as a product manager. It's a great coaching tool for mm. for your team uh, in order to so how this how does this apply to us and how do we we leverage our product on on by this strategy? That's a mm -hmm. that's that uh, that's a good coaching tool. Uh, yeah, I think. Uh... I'm not gonna parachute. I'm not parachuting myself out of this plane, but I think we're out of time. <laughs> Am I right, Gemma? I don't know if you want me to comment as, uh, on this question as well, but I think I'm uh, almost gonna agree totally with the, both of you guys, <laughs> Kellen and Robert. So it's gonna be kind of repetitive. So what do you think, um, Gemma? Yeah, I mean, if that's the final comments, <laughs> I'm happy to wrap it up. And this has yeah. definitely been a very insightful podcast. I feel like we could just keep talking and talking and talking. Um, but, you know, it is sunny outside, so you need to go and enjoy some of that sun before <laughs> it gets to winter. Scandinavian um, sun. Yeah. It's something. <laughs> Count our blessings. Um, but perfect. It's been an absolute pleasure listening to that conversation. I've taken some things away that I didn't know, and I am not in your field whatsoever. So I hope that you all have. Um, but thank you for everyone for listening and thank you for you guys sharing your thoughts 